Take your Bibles or your iPad or your phone or whatever it is you use and turn with me, please, to Luke chapter 7. I ran off and forgot my Bible, but I've got 25 Bibles in this notebook, so don't you worry about me reading the Bible. Sweetest words you'll ever hear. I want to talk to you about that today. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 30, uh, starting at verse 36. Before we do that, though, you know, this is Veterans Day weekend, and I would like all of our veterans of any military service in our country, would you please stand up and let us thank God for you, all of you veterans. Would you stand? Amen. Remain standing, if you will. Amen. 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 Let's pray for them right now. Father, thank you for these precious people who have served our nation and, Lord, have uh, allowed us to have the ability to worship freely in spirit and in truth. Lord, bless them today and all the people, Lord, who laid down their lives. We're grateful for them. Lord, we thank you for being so good to us. Lord, we, our country has many needs, and you know that. But, Lord, uh, we're so grateful that these have served so that we can still have our freedoms. Bless them today, we pray in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, say amen. amen. Tell them one more time how much you appreciate them. Amen. <laughs> I just saw all those people walking over there. I thought they were leaving. That's our singers over there. Great, good deal. And uh, <laughs> I thought, what did I say? What did I do? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why do we exist? Why do we have this church? Why is Bellevue here? And what are we supposed to be doing? I can tell you this, we are not here to promote any type of political agenda. We are not here to help out the Democrats or to help out the Republicans. That is not what a church of the Lord Jesus Christ is about. We are about taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who don't know him regardless of their political affiliation, regardless of their skin color, regardless of what they've done, we want to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to everybody. Now, one of the things we need to do is to reach a new generation for Jesus Christ. And uh, this is Love Offering Sunday. This started back in the 30s during the Depression. And I told you about the history of it last week, how Dr. Lee just felt led of the Lord. Let's get out of debt. They owed $30,000 at that time. It was be no telling what it would be today. And in one offering, just miraculously, they took up over $6,000 more than they needed, and they paid off all the debt during the Great Depression. And every year, every year since that, we have taken up a love offering. And we've done it every year that I've been here. I'm in my 19th year. This is my 19th love offering. 
And this year, it all goes to student ministry. And I'm telling you, students today are being bombarded with every kind of ideology and every kind of ism that needs to be a wasm, all right? Every kind of weird thing you can even fathom is coming at our children. If ever we needed to support our children, it is today. We have over 500 children from the fourth grade through the eighth grade that come to our church every Sunday morning, over 500. Uh, uh, amen. Let's thank the Lord for that. Amen. That's the students. That's not the, their teachers included. That's just the students. And many of them don't know Christ and they're coming and they're being saved. We've had almost 80 of them get saved in the last year and baptized. And we also have uh, seen so many other things happen in those ministries. But just in the middle school ministry alone, I believe we only have 230 seats. Do you know how many people we've got coming? 233. I don't know where those three people are sitting. I guess they're on top of somebody else. I don't know. Or maybe they're on the floor. But we need space. And as you've already heard, our fourth and fifth grade ministry really doesn't have any place to call its own. We put them in the west lobby on one week and in the east lobby on the next. And they need a place. They need a place to belong so that they can bring their friends and that they can come and be with us. I think this is a no-brainer. We exist to bring light to darkness and life to death. That's what we're doing. We're, we're pulling people out of the, the, the fire and we're asking God to give them new life. And we start with our children. And I've got plenty of children, you know that, and I've got plenty of grandchildren, and I want the next generation to be able to hear the same gospel that I got to hear as a young man, and that you got to hear as well, that we hear every week. And this is not a pitch for money. This is a, this is a plead for you to pray and ask, oh God, what would you have me to give above my tithe over the next 12 months? What would you have me to give? Don and I prayed. And we came to the conclusion that we needed to increase what we've been giving. We have given every month, every year we've been here, every month we've given not only more than a tithe to our budget, but we've given to the love offering as well. We've also given to missions. Every time we get paid, we do that. That's the first thing we do. We take care and we invest in the kingdom of God before we invest in anything else. And we prayed and we've asked God, God, what would you have us to give to support our middle school ministry and our fourth and fifth grade ministry? What would you have us to do to invest in the next generation? And he told us just as clear as a bell, and that's what we're going to do. And I know this, that when God lays something on your heart, he is well able to provide everything you need. If you, some of you will say, well, I can't afford it. You know what? You can't afford not to obey God. And I'm not playing with words. I'm telling you, you do what God tells you to do. Don't you sit down and try to figure out with a, uh, uh, some type of, of uh, apparatus, what do you call the little computer thing? Calculator, thank you very much. 
I don't ever use one, so I don't even know what it is anymore. You know, now you've got everything on your phone. But don't try to sit there and calculate it and try to figure it out and all that. Don't do that. Just go to the Lord and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? And I promise you, where he guides, he provides. And today you've got a love offering envelope. If you looked in your mail this week, if you're a member, you received one. If you don't have one, they're just under your seat there. They're tucked away in there, and you can pull it out. And as we've already heard, you can put an offering in there today. Or you can just sign up and say, this is what I feel like that we should give over the next 12 months. If you're not ready, if you've not prayed about that yet, and you really don't know, just take that envelope home and pray over it and say, God, what would you have to do? Bring it back. And you can either put it in one of the, uh, the receptacles outside, or you can, you can just uh, drop it off in the mail or however you would like to do that. We'd love to have you do that. Every person participate. There's no small gift when you give to the Lord. But again, why are we doing it? We're doing it so sinners can be saved. That's the bottom line. We are in the sharing of the gospel business. We are in the business about seeing people become new creations in Christ Jesus, like Brother Mark, Brother Mark talked about just a moment ago. We want to see people's lives changed. There was a woman who was a sinful woman, almost assuredly a prostitute that came to Jesus when he was dining with a Pharisee and her life was changed by Jesus. I want to talk to you about that today and give you three simple reasons. What happens when God changes your life and three reasons why we ought to not only give to a love offering, but serve our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name. And Lord, please speak to us through this text. In Christ's name we pray, and if you agree, say amen. amen. Luke 7, verse 36. Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting him, that's Jesus, to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. That's the way they ate in that day. They didn't sit in chairs. They sat down on the ground at a low table, and they would sit down and just on the ground, and they would eat. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. Standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and she kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Now, he thought that. Look at me. Not only do you be, need to be careful what you say around the Lord, you need to be careful what you think around the Lord. Because he looks at every, he doesn't just hear your speech, he knows your thoughts. And Jesus answered him. <laughs> he didn't say anything out loud and Jesus answered him. I love that. Simon, I have something to say to you. He replied, say it, teacher, a money lender and had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. 
When they were unable to pay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? Now there's there's the question. Do you see this woman? Not do you see this harlot? Do you see this human being? Do you see this person with a need? Or do you just see somebody you want out of your house? Do you see lost people? Are you too busy with your agenda? Buying your Christmas presents? Doing your thing? Buying more for your house? Buying more for your kids? Or do you see lost people all around you. Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason, I say to you, Her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who has forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins have been forgiven. Say that with me. Your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this man? that even forgives sins, but he wasn't through. And he said to her, your faith has saved you. Say that with me. Your faith has saved you. Oh, but he's not through. He closes it out with this. Go in peace. Say that with me. Go in peace. The title of this sermon is pretty simple. Sweetest words you'll ever hear. Some of the sweetest words you'll ever hear are these. First of all, your sins have been forgiven. Then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Isn't that what you want to hear? He said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins. Jesus had gone to dine with this Jewish Pharisee. His name was Simon. And suddenly a woman appeared and everybody knew who this woman was. She's described here as a sinner. She was immoral. She was a prostitute and she was famous. And she knew that Jesus was even more famous across Israel. She was renowned for her bad deeds. And this sinful woman heard that Jesus was coming to this house. And so she pushed through all the outside barriers. She pushed into the crowd and she finally saw Jesus and she was behind him and she saw his feet. And so rather addressing him from the front across the table, she came 
from behind. And she wasn't just teary-eyed, she was weeping profusely. And as she bowed down at Jesus' feet, the tears just started dropping on his feet. Jesus knew exactly who it was, exactly what was going on. And it embarrassed her, no doubt, and she reached down and started wiping her tears off of his feet. And then she'd take some of the anointing oil and put it on his feet. And she'd wipe the tears off. And then she'd kiss his feet. She'd wipe the tears off and kiss his feet. She kept wiping with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing him with perfume. When Jesus saw this, he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Don't you know that stunned that woman? She didn't confess to anything, not out loud. But again, Jesus can read your thoughts. And inside, she must have been thinking, I'm so ashamed of what I've done. I'm so ashamed of the life that I've lived. If I had it to do over, I'd do it all differently. And God's Son granted her total forgiveness. Your sins have been forgiven. This is not the first time Jesus said this. Just a few chapters before, in chapter 5, we read these words. But the news about Jesus was spreading even farther, and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus himself would often slip away into the wilderness and pray. One day he was teaching. There were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present for Jesus to perform healing. And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were trying to bring him in to set him down in front of Jesus, but not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd. They went up on the roof and they let, down, let him down through the tiles with the stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, he didn't just see the man coming down, he saw their faith. He said, friend, he's looking at this paralyzed man, friend, your sins are forgiven you. Scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, aware of their reasonings, don't think too loud in front of Jesus. Answered them and said, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins have been forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go to the house, boy. That's the West Tennessee version right there. <laughs> Immediately he got up before them. He picked up his bed that he'd been lying on. He went home glorifying God, and they were all struck with astonishment 
and began glorifying God, and they were filled with fear, the holy fear of God, saying, we have seen amazing, remarkable, unbelievable things today. Jesus was saying, I don't just heal physically, I heal spiritually, and I'll do it whenever I want to. I have the power to forgive sins. Did you know that you're spiritually sick? Did you know that? Did you know that you are spiritually paralyzed if you don't have Christ? Did you know that if you don't know Jesus Christ, you are just as paralyzed in your heart as that man was in his body? Do you know that if you don't have Jesus Christ, you are just as immoral as that woman was in her immorality? Jesus Christ is the one you need to come to. Jesus Christ is the only one who can say to you, your sins are forgiven. If you're going to Muhammad to hear that, you won't hear that. If you're going to Satan to hear that, you won't hear that. Isaiah 53, 6, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. That's the bad news. But the good news is, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon Jesus Christ. He took our sin when, when he was on the cross and he nailed it to the cross and we bear it no more. Romans 3, 10 through 12, it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There's not even one. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short or fall short of the glory of God. You are a sinner. You need a Savior. You need amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I can see. Or as Phil Wickham would say, we were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. My sins have been forgiven. Let's give God glory and praise right now. We don't take up a love offering to build some building. We take up a love offering so that people can say, my sins have been forgiven. I've been cleansed and washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's some of the sweetest words you'll ever hear. It's a whole lot better than stock markets up today. Who cares about that? Your sins have been forgiven. And then secondly, some of the sweetest words you'll ever hear are these. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. Jesus did not say to that woman, uh, because you washed my feet, you're saved. Or because you've pushed in here physically and bowed at my feet, you're saved. He didn't say that. She couldn't earn her salvation by anything she did. She could only be given her salvation because of everything he would do. And he said to her, your faith has saved you. She was a scarlet woman. She'd been with multiple men 
she had a very bad reputation. She was a woman in the city who was a sinner. She couldn't go to synagogue. They wouldn't let her in. She was an outcast. All the religious people like Simon hated her. But God loved her. And God, God's son, Jesus, loved her. The Pharisee loathed her, but Jesus loved her. The Pharisee rejected her, but Jesus received her. The Pharisee judged her, but Jesus justified her. He said to the woman, your faith has saved you. She was saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I know I may not look like it, but I work out a little bit every week. And I get on an elliptical machine, and it's one of the most boring things I've ever done in my life. And so I started listening to Billy Graham's podcast. And he preaches almost to the second, 28 minutes. And I stay on the elliptical for 30 minutes and I get off after I do a five-minute cool down. But I notice that every time he preaches... The song that they sing is Just As I Am. When I was a junior in college at Union, I studied to be, when Billy Graham came to the Liberty Bowl. Does anybody remember that? Anybody remember that? That would have been about uh, 78 right in there. Spring of 78, I believe. And I trained to be one of the counselors, and Billy Graham preached Dr. Rogers that, that night. I had seen Dr. Rogers on television. I never met him or anything like that. Didn't really know all about Bellevue. I just knew that my aunt went to church here, and I knew him a little bit, but he gave a testimony that night, Dr. Rogers did, and then Billy Graham preached and then as they gave the invitation, they sang a song. Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Beautiful verse. But do you know what the fifth verse in that says? Just as I am, thou wilt receive. You'll welcome, pardon, cleanse and relieve because thy promise, you ready? I believe. O Lamb of God, I come. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The object of your faith is not Bellevue. Don't believe in Bellevue. I'm not saying that we're you know, bad or anything. I'm just saying, don't put your faith in a church. Don't put your faith in a preacher. Don't put your faith in a teacher, in life groups or whatever. Put your faith, let the object of your faith, when it comes to salvation, let the object of your faith be one person, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He was born of a virgin, free from a sinful nature, lived a sinless life, and he went to the cross and he died an atoning death to be the sacrifice for your sins. And he was buried, but God raised him from the dead and he offers you salvation and you receive it by grace through faith in Jesus. You need to believe in the Lord. Have you ever received Christ? Have you ever trusted him to be your savior? Have you ever received him into your life? John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Say it with me now, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And Paul and Silas were talking to the Philippian jailer. And he, after he brought them out, this earthquake had thrown open all the jail cells, but they stayed in there. And he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and you and your household. Paul said it so clearly in Romans 10 verses 9 through 11, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then the Baptist verses that we all know, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace, say it with me now, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. Have you ever placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you trying to work your way to heaven? You'll never get there on your works. It's not what you do that gets you to heaven. It's what Jesus did that gets you to heaven. You got to put all of your faith in him and say, Lord Jesus, I place my faith in you. Sweetest words you'll ever hear. Your sins have been forgiven. Your faith has saved you. But there's one more thing that you need to hear. Once God saves you, and once he lets you know that he did it by faith, he says this, he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. I believe he said one word there to the woman at the end. Your sins have been forgiven. Your faith has saved you. And he looked her right in the eye and said, Shalom. Shalom. Peace be with you. Go in peace. And she had peace that passed all understanding. And she got it because she had been pardoned by the Lord Jesus Christ. The night before he died, Jesus looked at his disciples who were so distraught. <clears throat> he had talked about his death. He had talked about his crucifixion all through his ministry, but they would just say, now let's don't talk about that. You know, don't, don't, don't go there, Lord. And he kept telling them, and now it was time <clears throat> to be arrested, to go to the cross, and to be the propitiatory sacrifice for all of our sin. 
And in my opinion, they should have been comforting Jesus. But Jesus, who is about to die, is comforting them. And notice what he says in John 14, 27. Peace, shalom, I leave with you. And not just any peace, my peace. My peace I give you. The kind of peace that I've got. Jesus could sleep in a storm while everybody else was screaming in the boat. Amen? I want that kind of peace, don't you? When everybody else is crying out, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust in God. Like Jesus did, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. It's not worldly peace do I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be filled with fear. Look at me. You see that last part? Don't let your heart be troubled. You have a say in the matter. This is good. Some of you think that you can't help what you think. No, you can't help the first thought, but you don't have to give it a second thought. When an aberrant, stressful, fearful thought of anxiety comes into you, that is not from God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of a sound mind. <coughs> so when that comes, you say, no, no, no. That's not going to happen. I'm not going down that rabbit hole. Amen. I'm not going down in that. No way. I'm not going to blow, let that, that landmine blow me up. No way. No way. I'm not going there. That's not from God. No way. Anxiety's not from God. No way. I'm not going there. I reject that in the name of Jesus through his shed blood by the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God. I take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ and I replace it with this. My God, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled or let it be filled with fear. And if that doesn't get the job done, go to Philippians 4, 6, and 7 and just say, you know what? I'll be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, I'll just let my requests be made known unto God and praise God. The peace of God that passes all understanding will guard my heart, my heart, and my mind in Christ Jesus. He'll get my heart right and he'll get my thoughts right. And I'm going to be right when I cast all my cares upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Peace. There are people who have millions and millions of dollars, but they have no peace. And I can tell you people that live in three-room houses that have got peace that passes all understanding. Your peace doesn't come on what you have. Your peace comes from who you have. And his name is Jesus. Let's give him praise and glory in his house. And some of you have never been saved. You don't know the Lord. You've never repented of your sins. You've never said, God, forgive me. I am a sinner. And the wages of my sin is death. I deserve death, Lord. But please forgive me. I don't want to live this way. I repent. I turn. 
I can't say that I'll never sin again, but I don't want to. Lord, I repent. And then I believe that Jesus, when he was on that cross, he was dying for me. I believe that he rose from the dead. He rose to give me eternal life. I repent and I believe. And I receive you. Jesus, come into my life. Take complete control. I give you all of me for all of you. Come into my life, Lord. And the moment you do that, Christ saves you and you're eternally a child of God. Go, and God says to you, go in peace. Go in peace. Why do we take a love offering? So little children that are growing up in a world of insanity, some of their teachers don't even believe in gender anymore. Many of our politicians Say it's okay for two women to marry or two men to marry. And they tiptoe around it. And I don't believe in beating up anybody. If you struggle with homosexuality, Jesus can set you free. If you, if you struggle with alcoholism, Jesus can set you free. If you struggle with drugs, Jesus can set you free. If you struggle with adultery or fornication, Jesus can set you free. If you are living together and you're not married, you're living in sin, but Jesus can set you free. If you're a liar, Jesus can put the truth in your heart. If you're hateful, Jesus can put peace in your heart. He can say to your heart, shalom, and you can stop being so mean all the time. And everybody around you will be praising God that you repented. Amen. 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 You, don't have to, you don't have to keep living the way you're living. Can you hear him? He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Can you hear him? Can you hear him right now? Do you hear what the Lord wants to say to you today? Can, can you see yourself? at his feet that will soon be nailed to a cross. Can you see yourself kneeling down at Jesus' feet and start crying and taking your anointing oil and putting it on his feet and then kissing his feet? Can, can you see yourself like that? That's how humble you got to get if you want God to do something in your life. Would you just bow at Jesus' feet? And would you just say, Lord, I give you my life. I repent of my sins. I believe in Jesus. I receive him as Lord and Savior. Or if you're a Christian, you just say, God, whatever you want, not my will, but thine be done. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the sweetest words we'll ever hear. Your sins have been forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. 